0: Welcome to Best Picture. Now, here's your hosts, Andy Young and Colin McLaughlin.
1: Oh, darling, we have wonderful news for you. You have an Oscar.
0: That's about as good as you're going to get, because like your uh, statement, it did not mention Judaism.
1: Yeah, no, um, there's no mention of, of Jews in this movie, which like, why would there be? They yeah. have nothing to do with it.
0: I feel like I uh, uh, right when I said the Judaism thing, I feel like people who aren't aware of the life of Miel Zola are going to be like, wow, I don't know where that's coming from.
1: Andy's just coming on strong <laughs> with some conspiracy theories. I'm
0: just I've, I'm reading my my uncle's blog now and I'm, I'm coming in hot. I, I've got have, some theories.
1: Have you been able to find any explanation? for the poster of this movie.
0: No. And I highly recommend we're we're going to we, we got a lot to talk about this movie but the first thing is look up this poster, look up any still from the movie, look up what Paul Muni uh, just looks like
1: in general. What a choice. Don't look anything like any character like, in the movie. <laughs> it looks like Alec Baldwin from yeah. the poster. And it the weird like... thing is there are posters from uh 1937 that like were more reflective of the movie, like actual still images of Paul Mooney with yeah. like the hair and the beard that he has for most of this movie. So I can't, I I, I like it I doesn't thought, look like him at any stage of the film. It doesn't even look like
0: Dreyfus. Like I don't know what no, who no like that's to what
1: I, I had assumed watching it that like okay so clearly that's not Zola on the poster. So that must be what Dreyfus looks like in this movie. And then Dreyfus shows up and he doesn't look like like I just I like it's not like a pencil thin stash. It just it doesn't work on any level. It's such a bizarre symbolism for this movie that the poster in no way reflects anything in the movie. Could not agree more. Uh like, could not agree
0: more. It's, this yeah. is a
1: movie about censorship that was itself heavily censored by the powers that be to the point where it's like just a wet fart of a political statement.
0: And we've got a lot to talk about that. But why on earth are we spending time uh, on a Tuesday to talk about this movie?
1: On a Tuesday, on the day that we've learned just this morning, that Steven Soderbergh is going to be producing the 93rd Oscars. Exciting news. The day and after Mank Day. yeah. Day It's the day after, it's Mank Week, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, I was trying to do like we're a living, Monday thing, but it's like Manc. Yeah,
1: we're living in a post-Mank world. Mm-hmm. There's pre-Mank and there's post-Mank. A lot of 30s Hollywood time. talk going on right now. So much 30s Hollywood talk. I've been, Mank has been a, it's a great movie to fall asleep to. Like I watched it on Friday and I really liked it, but like, I've been putting it on like every night since to kind of just like doze off to because I find it, I don't know, kind of like soothing. I'll give you a thousand dollars to go
0: tell that to David Fincher to his face.
1: <laughs> okay, Yeah. OK, let me call up my good friend, <laughs> David Fincher. No, I am just if you're ever
0: that. in a situation that you get to like meet with him or rather than just be like, oh, I love Meg. It puts me to sleep every time. I just love. I just it's a it's just a, a big old. But, like that's a
1: that's a good. I I think that some movies are good sleep movies. Like we you and I were on a Zoom recently where like I was kind of going to bat for Inherent Vice. Oh sure. As like a good vibe movie to fall asleep to. Like, I just don't know a, if he's
0: gonna see it that way. It's all I'm saying.
1: It. I mean, you saw Mank. Like it is by far the most relaxed movie David Fincher has ever made. Weirdly
0: chill. Even like for him, it's very strange. Like how like calm it is. Yeah. It's
1: like I mean. It it's definitely like in his wheelhouse, but like you know, when you think about the kind of thing that Fincher is known for, like *Mank* is a departure. Yeah, and I and like I like that departure. I like that movie a lot, but like it had you know, it's like *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*, another like just low key vibe movie, Yeah, like that a hangout kind of just rock to sleep too. Yeah, hangout I,
0: movies. Yeah, I recently rewatched uh, *Days and Confused*, and then the spiritual sequel *Everybody Wants Some*. And I feel like I appreciate those more as I get older and get farther away from kind of like that demographic like kind of just being nostalgia for uh, an experience that wasn't mine um but there's something that like i feel like uh like all the bad reviews i ever see of like oh it's boring oh it doesn't do anything it's like movies don't have to always like have an a to z like it, it's i i kind of like the thing of just like oh i can hang out with like it feels like i'm seeing old friends for the first time in 10 years like i as i get older i really appreciate those types of movies more
1: I feel like, you know, the conventional wisdom of like Robert McKee and save the cat has bled over like into just the movie going public to where like, you know, even if on an unconscious level, they expect like a certain level of pacing or a certain like kind of plotting of like a point A to point B in their movies. And like, not all movies are like that, nor exactly. should they be.
0: It's, it's like you get disappointed if a movie doesn't do what you're thinking it's going to do. And that should not be the scale in which we judge a film.
1: And more than that, I don't know, like, just in my own, like, professional life, like, I can see how, like, getting caught, like, I think that, you know, there's value in, you know, Save the Cat and Robert McKee as, like, educational tools being, like, if you're, if you know nothing about writing or how to craft a story, this is a good way to, like, understand the fundamentals, but, like, I would challenge anyone to name me their favorite movie so that, and, like, show me how that movie, like, I guess how it follows, follows it like tenets. this because they don't like most movies, most movies don't like even the most conventional Hollywood movies. I feel like the good ones are, still deviate. Yeah. Yeah. They all deviate because it's like you, you know, at the end of the day, you're trying to make something unique and like artistic as a statement. And yeah. that allows you to break the rules and oftentimes for like the better, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: And then sometimes you just have a big bloated biopic that completely, uh, smacks in the face of what it's trying to say but we and we're going to talk a lot about those here and why are we talking a lot about these types
1: of films we're talking about these types of things because i've been trying to expand our intros and make you annoyed as <laughs> try, i refuse to do the intro as and i to try rat. to like keep
0: setting you up one of these days i am gonna just like i'll memorize it and then i'll just like be like oh for fuck's sake this is best picture podcast the podcast blah, blah, blah.
1: yeah you'll you'll like you'll shoot me through the computer i don't know maybe by then we'll be able to record in person i don't yeah. know
0: I hope so, because...
1: I- 2021's on the horizon. It's a new new year. It's a new, we'll, it's a we'll new see, day.
0: We'll see how optimistic we are about things happening. Uh, but Speaking of
1: the future, let's talk about the past, because this is a podcast called Best Picture with Andy and Colin. It's a podcast about the Oscars, the Academy Awards, specifically the rarefied films that have won the Academy Award for Best Picture, the context of that film's Oscar win, and the question of what the legacy of an Oscar means. My name is colin mclaughlin
0: my name is andy young and i have things to say about this movie not
1: a fan i i I mean like i was so excited going into it just because it was so much shorter than the great ziegfeld and i thought well at the very least like it's under two hours so it'll be over soon and i'm hoping it's gonna be
0: good yeah like well let's just take it from the top this is a movie that's about the dreyfus affair which for those unfamiliar um there's this french uh so, was he a sergeant? Oh, he's an officer. He
1: was he's a, a captain, cap- I thought.
0: Uh, okay, he's a captain. I thought he was an officer. He was a captain, and he's uh, accused of espionage and treason, and then it's uh, revealed that he's innocent, but they keep him there anyways because the French army doesn't want a bad mark on them. What they failed to mention is that the big reason that he was made the suspect is because he's Jewish, and he faced a lot of anti-Semitism, and that was a big thing that Emil Zola thought. And not only do they not mention any of it in this movie, the word Jew does nobody says it so it's just they just pick like this random guy it doesn't even work for the plot that they that he's the one that is like cornered out it's just like oh he his handwriting kind of matches it's like that's not
1: what happened <laughs> you right the movie i mean okay, so the movie we're talking about today is the life of emile zola directed by william dieterl you, uh,
0: that's a better crack at it than i was gonna say uh yeah do, i i do- i, I realized
1: i realized i like I, I already was confused about whether i could pronounce paul if it's paul mooney or paul money and now william
0: dietarily do i don't know
1: do, yeah i'm gonna call him willie d he's yeah. willie d for the sake of willie d podcast. and the boys um 1937 american biographical epic movie that i mean like i don't know there there are some th- things where i'll give the movie credit like i think you and i have both talked about the folly of trying to make a cradle to the grave. Right. Uh, biopic this movie dabbles in that, but by and large, it is about a guy at one specific point in his life and one specific event mm-hmm. that he was involved in, which as you said, is the Dreyfus affair, which like, yeah. I'm still, I mean, I was having to try to just absorb as much information about it as I could, as I was watching the movie last night for this conversation. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, a. Uh, French army, uh, they find a leak with very little evidence to go on. They pick out a Jewish captain and decide he's the one who needs to go to jail. He's kind of tried in a kangaroo court, sent to prison. They find evidence that he's innocent, but they don't want Mm -hmm. to admit that they made a mistake. Yeah. So it falls to the writer, Emile Zola, to kind of take up the charge of getting this guy exonerated
0: yeah and this was always a big thing and they kind of touched on it for the early act of his life but this was a big thing emil zala he uh, often put money uh to the side because he wanted to fight for these like big causes and fight for honesty and truth and like combat censorship and then you just make this version of this movie in 1937 it's crazy i don't know it's it's hindsight 2020 i suppose but look it, it's a german-born director german-born producer um nazi germany is has just taken power we're right past the production code and i don't know I, it still just baffles me like why make this movie at all if you're gonna make this version of it where you don't even talk about like the big thing of it I, I think i wouldn't be so mad at it if it didn't make this big sweeping statement of like the truth must always be right we must always fight censorship and then it gives us this heavily censored version of what actually happened
1: Agreed. And like. Even when you take out the censorship aspect of it, this is far from the most engaging movie to watch. Oh, it's still not a good movie, for sure. It's so, I mean, it's very awkwardly structured for the first 30 minutes. It is kind of the rise of Zola, essentially. So Emil Zola... Very famous French writer and cultural critic, mm-hmm. living the bohemian lifestyle you know, with
0: another painter. Like that right, kind of he, yeah.
1: you know, he, I guess he's, you know, my English major wife, Harry Bosch, was, uh, like rolled her eyes when I said, like, oh, so this is the guy that's like most credited with uh, inventing naturalism in literature. But his whole thing was he wrote, uh, like social critiques in fiction novels. So he like he wrote books about like the seedy underside of paris so like that's what you know the book shows like the publication of his first major hit Nana, which is about a french sex worker that kind of just rises through the ranks of french high society and ruins the lives of every man she meets on the way and so that was a scandalous book but it was a huge hit yeah he wrote books criticizing the army he wrote books criticizing the government he was a very very outspoken critic of french politics and government at the time and that made him very wealthy so the first 30 minutes of the movie start with him living in a loft with and the other guy he was with was an actual he's person. a va- he's a famous paper- painter i looked that right up too, uh yeah. paul Cezanne, i think mm-hmm. is the name and i played uh, played by va- vladimir sokolov and like this is vladimir's first english language uh movie role that's right he had just come to america and he had gotten big because orson wells put him in a play, even though he spoke no English. And Mm -hmm. Wells's whole justification was it would be demeaning to an actor of Sokolov's stature to make him play like a supporting role, even though it was an English language play and he didn't speak any English. But, Mm -hmm. um, and like, I don't know. I like some of the performances in this movie. Yeah. I, I think money. I think Paul Mooney is good as Zola. I think Sokolov is good as Cezanne. And I think that, uh, who played, uh, who played Dreyfus um
0: have fun fe- saying his last name is all I'm going to say it's uh, Joseph
1: Joseph Schildkraut
0: Schildkraut okay you you, you kind of
1: crushed it i i was going yeah, to have to yeah was. like i i think like you know he's good for like what the movie is trying to be but like i think just overall and i'm i'm guessing here like i i haven't found anything to confirm this what feels to me happened was they wanted to make a movie about the Dreyfus affair Mm-hmm. And then kind of two things sort of twisted that into what this movie is. Number one, the rise of Nazism, both in Germany, but also the rise of a pretty significant Nazi presence in Hollywood via the German consulate that had, you know, it varies depending on the account, but like from depending on who you ask, they either had kind of like a, they, they basically either had like a massive level of influence over what movies were being made and what could go into those movies or like, they had some influence not very much but like the studios themselves were so afraid of them right that uh like they like kind of in the same way that the production code was a hollywood instituted like mandate where they're going to censor themselves to avoid censorship from the government it almost seemed like the studios were being extra cautious on how they depicted germany and nazism just to circumvent any potential nazi blowback to their movie so I, I think that's one of the big things and then the other thing is that the year before you have the story of louis Pasteur, which is by the same it's by willie d it stars paul mooney paul mooney mm-hmm. wins the best actor oscar for that, for that and one. so and that movie was a huge hit so i yeah. think they and warner brother was like let's get these guys let's find another like big kind of glossy biopic that we can make for that so that's how this movie i think expands to not just be about the Dreyfus affair but also like it's you know purportedly the life of Emile Zola the whole story
0: right but it is it's still by a german director who had just literally uh fled the from not from the from germany as the nazi party was taking over uh to work in america and the most one of the interesting things i found as a behind the scenes was that the producer uh who was also german born he had a lot of fights with uh i'm probably going to mess up his name his, i think it was like georg geisling
1: georg geisling okay so georg this geisling, guy Holy who was shit. like hitler's like, guy in hollywood
0: and like yeah. he was like really mad at the production he kept trying to stop it and then uh the producer henry Blanquet, kept lying to him saying that like the dreyfus affair was only a small part of it but again like i'm sure eventually uh he had to like see a screening of it but i don't think they censored it i think this is what they shot i uh, it, to me it seems like this is the the version of it it was always going to be where they just don't address the anti-semitism which again, like, why make this version, that version of this movie?
1: Apparently, it came down because this is a Warner Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. This is the first Warner Brothers movie to win Best Picture. So this movie's win is, you know, you have this in 1938, and then almost a hundred years later, you have Joker get nominated for Best <laughs> Picture. You there's a clear line. Between That's a block of somewhere things. in the middle of that too, right? Uh, <laughs> but like Jack Warner himself comes down and orders the word Jew be removed from this really? script so there are and reportedly it said it is said in dialogue three times and then seen on a page one time all of the dialogue mentions are scrapped you still see the word on a page it's when they're deciding to lay the trees in charge on Dreyfus. so they're going through the files they see Dreyfus. they see that his religion is marked as a jew right and they say that's our guy And, you know, there's debate over what, like, was, did someone slip that in? Was that, like, a small act of defiance based on the filmmakers? Or did they figure, like, it wasn't going to matter? But, like, that is, that is the extent to which this movie addresses how anti-Semitism was the basis for Dreyfus's wrongful imprisonment.
0: Right. But, so, Jack Warner was kind of a driving force in kind of keeping it that way then
1: yeah and like this you know um this movie kind of like great zigvile did you watch it on amazon
0: uh no i found a copy elsewhere
1: i mean how like my amazon copy was pretty shitty like this is not Once again, like, I'm the digital print, at least that I'm watching, is not very well preserved. Kind of like what we dealt with. With,
0: like, on Cavalcade and Cimarron and, yeah, even Great Ziegfeld, where it's like, yeah, it wasn't great. I think I, I ran it off YouTube or something. It wasn't, like, excellent. It wasn't kept in as good of quality. It's something we've talked about a lot on this podcast, where it's like, if it hadn't won Best Picture, I'm not sure a copy would exist.
1: Yeah, I mean, a copy would exist, but, like, who would ever watch it? Well, you know, that other, other like than some, like, you some know, some films are
0: like classes. just uh, disintegrated and just are lost to time. Uh, just we are, so but
1: we're, I mean, desirable. that's I, we're getting closer to the 40s where at least there was something resembling preservation mm-hmm. that was a bit more in line. Like when we talk about lost films, it's like something like 90% of the movies made before 1925 sure, have yeah, sure. been lost. And so, you know, th- I think that's more of a silent, silent era thing. So like I, if this movie had one best picture, I'm sure it would have still carried on in some capacity. But again, like as was the case with Ziegfeld, like it's very bizarre that no one has looked at this movie and thought, like, yeah, this warrants further consideration, restoration. Like, let's make yeah. this as easy and crisp to watch as something like it happened one night. It, well,
0: because it definitely seems like one where, because I read some like cont- contemporary reviews of the uh, reviews of the time that praised it for its like honesty and its like uh like unabashed uh, look at um uh it feels all his life and then uh, of course like more modern critics who have noted the fact that they uh completely uh whitewash it for lack of a better term and uh, get rid of all of the aspects of it which actually make it kind of a powerful story and yeah, it I just mean, kind of ma- ends up making all of the like big like overarching like speeches and the anti tyranny themes just feel kind of cheap
1: right reviews at the time loved uh paul mooney they were like he was just one of the most popular actors of his time He's coming off of the best actor win. He's in two best picture nominees, including the one that wins this year. And most of the reviews, like, just, I mean, the ones I've read, at least from the time, they they love the performance. They love, like, the movie's honest portrayal of, like, political scandal and, mm-hmm. like, you know, the man versus the mob kind of mentality. And they love the final courtroom scene, which, like, I will contend that, like, Zola's final speech at the end for his libel trial is the best scene in the movie, but... Oh yeah, it's a great monologue, but... It's just some of the most kneecapped work of, like, political art I think I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, like, I'm trying to imagine if, like, Jeff Bezos directed a Rage Against the Machine movie. It's just like, that's gonna look different than how things actually went down.
1: Well, and, like, I'm thinking, you know, like, okay, so it's 1937. Mm -hmm. The Nazis are in power. And like, you know, they are, you know, they're, they're an insane, like they're an insane mob. They're not unlike, you know, certain social groups that we could point out today. Like of they are going to have, a, they're going to find uproar for whatever they decide to. Yeah. And, uh, did I send you that quote from the thing I was reading last night about Goebbels? Like who like actually really liked Hollywood films? Uh, No. So, yeah, it's like Goebbels, like, you know, Goebbels was a self-professed fan of Hollywood movies. I think, like, most of the Nazi high command was, but they would also use movies as scapegoats because Mm -hmm. they kind of framed this whole thing of, like, Hollywood is controlled by Jews, so all movies from Hollywood are Jewish propaganda, so we will, at the drop of a hat, pick whatever movie we want. And we will say that movie is Jewish propaganda. And like, that was it. Like their supporters would just show up. It would would be the all quiet on the Western front thing over and over and over again. You know, people would go and they would like sabotage screenings and they would attack people trying to go see the movie and they would try to destroy prints. And it like wasn't for anything. Like oftentimes it would be for nothing to do with like the content of the actual movie.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like the big. Uh, so towards the end, uh, Emil Zola is uh, found guilty and uh, he's going to have to spend his life in prison and his I forget exactly who it was in the film, if, if, if it's the painter, if it's just like his lawyer, uh, but they're trying to convince him to like escape to London so he can keep like speaking out and stuff like that. And he has this line that really stuck with me where he says there are times where it's more courageous to be cowardly. I don't know, like just having that line in this movie, like in 1930, like again, like what was Great Dictator, like 1940, 1941, like that was like right smack dab in the middle of everything happening. And like that was a huge middle finger to what Hitler was doing.
1: Uh, 1940s. Yeah, exactly. So
0: that's like right in the middle of it. And it's like that they don't like pull any punches there.
1: You have to consider, like, how rapidly different the political situation was just between 1937 and 1940 in terms of, like, the global view of the Nazis, you know, where it's, like, you know, going up to, like, America entering the war, a lot of Americans were pro-Germany, <laughs> like.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, we even saw that in, like, All Quiet in the Western Front, how, like, uh, a movie that is, like, pro-Germany, like, right after World War One could be so critically acclaimed in the U.S., um but it's like it's something we even saw in mank like this weekend of just like that idea of just like people kind of talking about you really think like hitler's gonna do this stuff like i don't know this is like a person that i really don't want to step on the toes of and it's just like that was already kind of bubbling up at this time um it's just a shame to see like even when they knew like how much of a monster he was they were afraid to they were just kept towing the line with him and that's interesting because i didn't realize that jack warner was a part of that as well
1: but I mean, all the heads of the, you know, you know, like the heads of the studios at this time, like Louis B. Mayer and uh, Daryl Zucker, like, th- you know, these are Jewish men, you mm-hmm. know, many of whom are either emigres uh, or like the sons of emigres. And it, it, I don't know, like this movie has kind of come back up in the conversation in recent years because like new examinations of Hollywood at this time have been less kind to the studios in terms of how they dealt with Nazis, where like, I think a lot of the conventional wisdom for a long, long time was like, well, the studios had to be very subversive and how Mm. they inserted anti-Nazi sentiment into their films, which like, okay, like having Zola be against mob rule or like for justice, like that you can say is like, that's anti-Nazism. But it was also a calculated business decision to say, even if we, don't necessarily like the Nazis here in 1937, we don't want to piss them off too much because come 10 years from now, they could be even more powerful. And we still want to hang on to that market. And like, that's exactly
0: what I was going to ask you. Like if you see it, it is also like, we don't want to lose them in the seats. And if it's at all similar to kind of what we've been doing with China in the last couple of years of kind of like changing things or censoring things in order to maintain a happy Chinese audience. Or
1: even something like, uh, you know, it's over a year ago now, but that movie, the hunt that Mm -hmm. got pulled from theaters suddenly, because Trump decided that movie was about was anti-Trump supporter the irony and, of course
0: it's being it's it's a, if anything it's a pro-Trump uh supporter yeah movie. and he like, rallied, the good you know, and he just rallied his
1: base to protest the movie because it was liberal Hollywood propaganda and Universal completely caved and just pulled the movie
0: yeah so it's still something months. we're seeing to this day which is uh unfortunate yeah. and then of course there's uh everything that happened back in 2014 uh with the interview so it's like this is not a new problem of uh Hollywood studio execs uh deciding to cave to A project or uh, facing the consequences of it. And just
1: what seems to be such a weird thing about this movie is that all of the caving is retroactive. Like, it's not Mm. like they made some like bold political statement of a film and then realized that it might upset the German market and so they cut it heavily. Like, they kind of went into this movie, into the script phase, into production, already having that in mind, which is why the movie is such like just a nothing narrative because it can't, it refuses to address the key issue that it's trying to be about
0: and i think that's the big problem because if it was like a smaller aspect of it i think most people would be like okay well that's they they didn't quite hit their thing it's the entire thesis of this movie uh, of the work of emil zola and it's a complete uh, bastardization of it and i think like even if there was like a great movie like buried in there it's still inexcusable as a as a piece of art because it is, like, I don't know, at the end of the day, I'm a believer that uh, movies have the power to be things bigger than just entertainment, bigger than just for themselves. Like, even the Germans and eventually the U.S. realize, like, the power of, like, propaganda in film. Um, but I think there's also, like, a beautiful, like, power of storytelling that can come with, like, telling these, like, emotional, honest stories. And it's, I think the m- most disappointing thing is it's a missed opportunity. Like, cause there, there are great monologues in this film. There are really interesting set pieces here and everything set up for the idea that they can be able to tell this, like, brave story much like emil zola did his entire career and they just whiff and it's uh more disappointing that we recognize this film to, we're talking about it today because it won the most regarded award you can win as a film
1: and, and it's the it, most honored movie the oscars had yeah awarded since then it, it, it like had 10, 10 nom- it had a record 10 nominations in for the 1938 oscars and and like for me it's like all of that self-censorship for what we are five years away from Casablanca, a movie yeah. where the Nazis are decidedly the bad guys.
0: Yeah, where there's a scene that we share to this day about how much they want. Yeah,
1: we we are going into the 1940s, which is going to be all World War Two movies where the Nazis are capital B bad. Mm-hmm. The things they stand for are bad. The things that they want for the world are bad. So, like, yeah. this movie is outdated almost immediately after it comes out because the situation continues to degrade so badly that whatever relationship hollywood was trying to maintain is going to go out the window regardless and it's not going to matter because 10 years from now like germany will be a defeated power and the people in charge will have no problem with american movies
0: Exactly. I mean, it is in a way it's hindsight 2020, but the thing about hindsight is it doesn't assume that you're going to be brave in the moment, regardless of consequences. And that's, I think, the most heartbreaking thing. About it. And again, it's like this. There are other films we've seen so far that I've enjoyed less, but I think I don't know, because I really didn't like Cimarron. Uh, I really didn't like Cavalcade, but this may be my least favorite best picture so far because it has it has this opportunity and it kind of tries to use it without it, it's it's like the that Pepsi commercial with the like the that the Jenner kid like from a couple of years ago where all the the signs are just like love each other be cool and it's like so we're not gonna explicitly talk about Black Lives Matter we're going to use it as a front in order to sell soda cans like it's disgusting and that's why it was this like heavily uh, hated commercial and that's kind of what it felt like to watch this and I don't know it's it's very disappointing that it was so heavily awarded. For what it was. I think if it had been like a, like, it's, I think it's a lot of why I hate, hated Green Book so much. If it was just a flash in the pan, didn't win anything. I'd be like, okay, my I'll take it, my mom to see it in theaters. But the fact that it was up against other films, uh, that did try to do what it was saying, um, it's just a shame. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Really, really didn't care for Emil Zola. And I really want to know who designed this fucking poster.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, it's like the poster continues to baffle me. But then again, it's like, uh, You know, like I said, like we said at the beginning, it's kind of appropriate that this poster that has nothing to do with the actual movie that it's that it's portraying. This is a movie that really does not have a handle on the issues that it's patting itself on the back for addressing, which like I think that's, you know, where we're like of the same mind here. And like that's we're going to see this, you know, occasionally throughout the run of this show, of like these best picture winners that win best picture because they are presented as being. Capital B, big, important movies Mm -hmm. about important issues. And in reality, they are at best like sterilized, like melodramatic portrayals of a much more complex issues or just empty nothingness that, you know, they use the symbolism and the language of the time to make you think that they're about something when in reality... Like they're about nothing more than making you the viewer think the movie's about something
0: yeah they're just selling soda cans and yeah it's not this is the first one we've seen and it's not going to be the last by any stretch of the imagination but it's also i think i'm just like getting real sick of biopics because we've seen so many based on a true story and like bloated biopics already in the course of the show but there's something about like i call it like a dewey cox ish kind of take on something where something is so literal and made so clear about what the message is that it like twists it um like you know it's just the idea of him like just like coming up with like the name of a song just being like i'll walk hard and the first scene we see in this movie is him like just being like oh it's so like let's close up the windows and like start a fire what's the worst that could happen cut 2 i i'm just like so sick of those like dumb little like wink and -and nudge tropes in films at this point uh or just like
1: the lack of like anything resembling like a dramatic framing of the issue. It's like you, if you know that Emil Zola died from carbon monoxide poisoning due to a faulty furnace in his house, yeah. like we're not even going to like try to pretend we're not building to that point. <laughs> but it's like, it's so tepid and just like by the book that, and then they, and then like they just cut to like, okay, Dreyfus is being reinstated in the army, and then they find out Zola's dead.
0: Yeah. It's very, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a very like running gun of the last five minutes, but. Uh, I want to
1: read you, um, this, so this is kind of a New Yorker article that was a, uh, rebuke to, or like it was, it was about, you know, so 2013, like that's mm -hmm. when they started publishing more books about like, you know, not this movie in particular, but the general trend of like how Nazism was depicted in Hollywood in the thirties, especially like in regards to this movie and in like the movies that just got outright canceled, including one that, uh. Our man Mink tried to write, but this is a quote that I really, really loved, and I'm just going to pull it up. The pattern was clear. No matter how vicious Nazi conduct was, any representation of it could be deemed a violation of the production code's demand that foreign countries be treated, quote-unquote, fairly. In practice, the more cruel and irrational the Nazis got, the safer they were from any Hollywood dramatization of their actions. Yeah. which is just like that I so that's David Denby is the writer of this article by the way I want to give mm. credit but like that's kind of and you know you see that with nazis and you know we see that I think with the kkk in a lot of movies like both sure. before and after this and we see this with it's just like you know hate groups in general where it's yeah. like they have almost have carte blanche to like be terrible be and it's like the worst they get like the harder it is for Hollywood to not address them. And yeah. so they just don't address them at all. You know? It's
0: just the lack of consequences. Exactly.
1: I just... And, like, you know, I think all art is political. I don't think necessarily every movie needs to be political, but, like, mm-hmm. like, why make this yeah.
0: movie? Exactly. There's so many other movies that he could have directed. It's just, like, at, at no point... like This was shot, I'm imagining, in 36. At no point, with everything going on, was anybody like, hey, maybe we should make something else. Like, if you're not gonna, like take the ball then you know just get off the court do something else don't make this this version of this movie at this time period
1: this movie was almost the consolation prize for the people in hollywood that were uneasy about hitler and Mm -hmm. wanted to get more specifically anti-fascism anti-nazism anti-hitler pictures out there all of which got canceled by uh georg oh god what's the pronunciation of this guy's name it's g-e-o-r-g
0: is the first name
1: georg Gisling. Gisling. Who and he was, was like
0: Hitler's like dude in Hollywood. He was essentially the
1: Nazi ambassador to Hollywood. So mm. he consulted on movies. He was kind of like the German uh like ratings board who would determine like you know whether stuff could go in or out of movies or like whether movies could even get made. And so yeah. they were so I mean, they were allegedly so afraid of this guy that, like, you know, it comes back to what I said. They would just self-center themselves going into a project so that they didn't even have to worry about him coming in and saying, you can't have that, you can't have that, you can't have that. Mm -hmm. And, and, yeah, it's, like, I don't know. Yeah. I I, I guess I kind of sort of feel the same way and, like, whatever, I'm gonna get canceled. But it's, like, you know, you think about, like, how much specifically anti-trump art that hasn't been made in the last four years you know like there's an alternate reality where i just feel like there's a boom of like very specifically like movies geared specifically towards like decrying the things that have just happened over the last four years and there aren't really you know like There,
0: there are but it's just like there's here's my thing about like the trump of it all because there are there there have been these types of movies and projects and stuff but the big thing i always face whenever i see like a new jay roach movie or something i'm just like who is this for like is it for me like a liberal who already like knows all this stuff and agrees with all of this stuff and it's just for me to like kind of pat myself on the back or is it for like the trump supporters in my life who would never go see this movie anyways because they're sick of hollywood talking to the uh telling them what to do or whatever who are never going to see this movie um I don't know. I just don't know what the point of these movies are if they're I, and I don't know how to make that type of film um, at least like this early, this recent. Because I felt the same way about like that Comey uh, miniseries that came out on Showtime uh, recently. It's just like I don't know if there's a way to do it, especially if you're telling it from a liberal perspective, if you're genuinely trying to reach the conservative perspective, if you turn Trump into a caricature, which is always the go to. And I agree, like he's a monster but I don't know if that helps uh, the other side empathize with your point.
1: I, yeah, I I didn't watch the Comey rule. It definitely felt like with the timing of that, like they were almost trying to like reverse the whole like Comey coming out and saying that the investigation into Hillary's emails is still ongoing a week before the election. Like they wanted to drop that, you know, in the weeks leading up to the election Mm -hmm. to try to like, you know, so that, you know, to kind of like, reverse that effect and you know i don't know anyone who's watched it so i don't know i watched it if it it was yeah okay
0: i can tell you it's not like they try to turn him into this like very like jimmy stewart-esque like boy scout who you know like he had tough decisions but ah shucks he's gonna do his best and it's like all told through the frame like literally here's literally the first scene of this thing this young like uh kid comes into this office and he's just like uh and then the older like lawyer guy is like ah oh, james comey huh you know i was just reading his new book cut to an actual shot of james comey's book and he's like oh you want to hear about the brave thing that ya- this james comey did well sit down uh son and let me tell you a tale and then it, that's used as the framing perspective for the rest of the thing like everyone sitting it pops out are you like i'm not fucking right it's oh the princess Bride way of just like wow so he did this yeah but wait until like trump heard about this and it's like you know Trump doesn't come in until like there's two episodes. He didn't come into the second. And look, Bernie gleason one of my all time favorite actors. I'm fucking obsessed with him. But it's just like it's a caricature. Who's gonna watch this? Like I know Trump supporters in my life, and they're the second they see him doing the voice and talking like this, their brains like shut off. And I have to imagine like at the time they were probably he is that like that as well. I mean, but
1: I almost feel like Trump is impossible to play
0: yeah but it's like, like again charlie chaplin made the great dictator it's like I think charlie chaplin made the great dictator
1: it. because like I, I don't like that's i don't know i mean, i see that as apples and oranges because like you know hitler was a like just a sinister monster and trump is like a monster cartoon character where it's like how how do you capture a betrayal that can top the it's like the ridiculousness of what trump does every day you right. know
0: I mean, he's definitely like stupider, but it is like, I think they're both uh, monsters in the same sense of just that moral ambiguity. Uh, I think there is a way to play Trump, but it's, it's not one we've seen yet. Like I Mm. think uh, everything that we've seen so far is too over the top uh, to a point where it doesn't connect. Um, But I don't know. It's, it's a tricky thing. I've, I've always been in the party of, I don't think we need more Trump content during all of the four years. I always got kind of annoyed when we were like, telling the story, like, right now when we have... But to really you know that, like, moment. you know, 10
1: years from now, we're gonna be on our, like, 8th prestige miniseries oh, yeah. about the Trump years. It's I like, was
0: predicting the other day that I think we're gonna see, like, three films in a row that are nominated for Best Picture that in some way or another address whatever happened in the Trump administration. Yeah, and, like, like there's I don't gonna know. be one about the Mexican border crisis, there's gonna be, obviously, be one about the uh, the pandemic, there's gonna be... Uh, I mean, yeah, that's the other thing, is you can take... It's like, yeah. we'll go through, we'll see it all.
1: You could make 8 different movies about him, all of which tackle completely different like just absolute catastrophes that have yeah.
0: occurred. because you have to look at the positive ones for him as well and it's just like you and i like liberals in hollywood like are they films that we would even consider watching let alone trying to like empathize with and right. i don't think so so i don't know i i understand that these it's a difficult movie to make um, i guess
1: go what the the point i was trying to make bringing up that is like i feel like a big part of the reason we're not seeing as much of that as maybe we expected is fear mm-hmm. of a very vocal and very violent base of supporters that sure. would go after anything that was seen as being mocking or like insulting of him.
0: I mean, we have though. It's like you even mentioned the hunt and it was like canceled because of the outroar of his supporters, even though but the was, hunt you know,
1: was not intentionally trying to do anything like that. Like if I anything, agree, but he still about, was able to
0: mobilize his base
1: against, if anything, him. the hunt is a movie about a bunch of like gun doting, like, you know second amendment pro people who are sticking it to like the corrupt elite liberals
0: oh i know i'd agree i agree like i i saw the movie i'm just saying like it's that's more to my point of the fact that they'll just like listen to whatever he said Trump right like, the perception of the movie is yeah. everything
1: like uh f- you know i i haven't seen cuties but like i can guarantee you that like neither is ted cruz and ted cruz just decided that like he was gonna attack that movie and attack netflix for like a week right. when that well, controversy that... was going down and that goes back he could tie it back to netflix is hollywood hollywood is Mm -hmm. liberal elite so if i attack netflix for this movie that they like like the frustration of wanting to just like tweet at ted cruz explaining to him how film acquisition works was a very weird part of this year but (laughs) it's like it all comes back to like okay if i can tie it back to like this talking point which usually Mm -hmm. is like liberal hollywood elites i'm gonna get this level of engagement from people that that's their buzzword i literally
0: i literally saw the other day like he posted just a picture of him like hunting or something like that and it's like it's hitting both of his points he wants to piss off liberals and he wants to give more fodder to conservatives to be like this is what my personality is this is everything i believe in and don't get me wrong liberal like we have just as many people on our side that do the exact same thing whose whole thing is to piss off conservatives and to like have us praise them you know, but it's like I if I send my uncle like a John Oliver video, it's not going to change his mind. And that's how I feel about a lot of like the Trump movies that we've seen so far. If their goal is to change someone's mind, it's not working. But if their goal is to inspire and to be honest about what he's doing. Awesome. You can make that movie. Uh, But it's hard to make like a Trump movie if you don't talk about like his racism or if you try to like whitewash these different parts of his legacy, you know, and that's. Uh, I don't know. That's just like something that I, I kind of see as a tangent to both the Emil Zola thing and the idea of like what we saw with *All Quiet on the Western Front* of uh, Hitler mobilizing bases to attack movies, whether they were directly about him or not.
1: And yeah, I, like. I don't know who this movie is for because it's a bad dramatization of the actual events. It's not a particularly engaging biopic because it really stops being a biopic after the first 30 minutes. Like once yeah. he gets successful, then it hard resets to Dreyfus and all of that business. And then it comes back to Zola and like, okay, there's some interesting drama in that he has reached a point of success that he never thought he would be able to reach. And he doesn't want to risk all of that by right. going back to his, you know, young upstart, like political critique ways. But like, it's just so, I don't know. It's just such a flaccidly dramatic movie. Like there's just,
0: yeah.
1: it. I I just, I just, I don't like it. It's a I don't effort. Like, well I don't I, like I, it at all.
0: I feel like we've jumped a lot into Zilla and I feel like we should talk, uh, jump into talking about the Oscars of this year. Cause this is another one where it's like, we're starting to see some changes, but because World War II is also on the horizon, I think the Oscars are going to start looking very different in the next couple of years. For one, I think they're not going to be in the lavish hotel anymore, and I don't think they're going to uh, be in like such a small space either, because this is the biggest Oscars we've had so far. Thirteen hundred people attended.
1: Yeah, like you know, we are. Quickly approaching the point where a lot of big directors go overseas to shoot uh, army propaganda movies Mm -hmm. for the U.S. Yeah. And we are eight years from them finally cutting down the Best Picture category to just five, which I'm honestly kind of looking forward to because it's hard to keep track of how many movies are being nominated for Best Picture during this phase.
0: Well, we're also going to start losing some uh, category. We're finally getting rid of uh, Dance Direction and our Assistant Direction. This is the last year for those. Yeah.
1: So, okay. March 10th, 1938. Biltmore Hotel again. Bob Burns is our host. You know, this is... Is this the first year where the Best Picture winner is also the movie that has the most wins and the most nominations? I think it is.
0: Well, I think, like, it happened one night, must have, because it won five. Did anything win I, I, I
1: think, But I think it happened one night uh no one one night of love because what it happened one night had five nominations and five wins. right one night of love had six nominations and no wins but like
0: still oh i see so is this the most nominated movie absolutely where is it's, it's like the it's one both, to win the most yeah. That, yeah
1: It yeah so in this year zola is nominated for 10 which is the most nominations of any movie that year it wins three which is the most wins of any that year and it gets best picture
0: and it yeah. In addition to picture, it gets adapted script, hilarious, and it gets the uh, um, supporting actor uh, role for Joseph, who later uh, like thirty years later is uh, yeah uh, Shukra, and he's uh, cast in uh, the. Darn- Sorry, Darn- say Day. that
1: last name slower, Andy. I uh, want to make sure you got it pronounced right.
0: Shidkraut, is that <laughs> it? No, I, I'm uh, I. I always, my wife always makes fun of me because I can never pronounce uh, Spanish names correctly, and I'm always just like uh, yeah, see, Moy blanco um but uh no like he's later cast in the diary of anne frank which i think is very interesting because i have to imagine they they bring up judaism in that one um but it's also interesting this oscars was pushed a week it was supposed to happen on march 3rd uh, but it was pushed due to the la flood in uh, 1938
1: oh i did not know that
0: yeah there was a massive flood the week before so they pushed it a week uh, and again, it's uh, worth a bit more hotel again, but I, I it's still essentially like what a space. weird
1: thing to imagine a flood in Los Angeles.
0: <laughs> but it's still, um, you know, we're still in like these like fancy hotels and it's still more of a luncheon than an award ceremony. But I feel like that's going to go away pretty soon because I, I, I can't imagine that's a good look. Uh, in the middle of World War II. Um, but it's, again, like, this is... 1,300 people attended this one, so it's, yeah, it keeps I, getting bigger and bigger. I genuinely
1: don't know how... Like, I, I mean, we're gonna get to it when we get to it, you know, in the coming episodes. I genuinely don't know how the war economy affects how the Oscars are presented or broadcast. I know that mm-hmm. we're still in the years where they're not doing a radio broadcast, but that's coming back soon. Right. And, but, yeah, you know, we we talked last week about how they don't really quite seem to know how to utilize the Oscars as a true publicity tool. And I'm going to imagine that so long, as long as we're still in the great depression, like that's going to continue to be the case.
0: Yeah. Well, there is like some footage from the next year's Oscar that I've seen. Uh, oh, a lot. Okay. Cause we'll, well, we'll talk, let's, well, let's jump into it. Cause this is, uh, in the year. And of course, of like Zola and all this stuff This is also the year of snow white. Uh, snow white is the first, uh, full, uh, fully animated feature film, uh, to be released and it doesn't animated. Animated. animate that. Yeah. That's why I said animated feature film to be released. And it's, um, it doesn't win this. Well, it's nominated for score and nothing else, uh, this year, but for next year, it's become such a hit in 1938 that they end up awarding it next year with the famous, like you've probably seen this, like
1: the, you, yeah, I the looked full it up statue and then the seven
0: night. miniature. But I had seen that a lot. I, they used to play it all the time in these like Shirley temple, uh, ads. Cause it's like, it's Shirley temple is the one who like, pre- I don't know if she presents it to him or she's like just standing with him. But she's like, oh, wow, Mr. Disney, look at all those little statues. There's footage of like that moment of him, like getting the Oscar uh, and the tiny Oscars out there. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere, but they used to play it on TV all the time. Um,
1: Snow White is one of the few films to be nominated, to be honored at two different Oscar ceremonies. Yes, yeah. because well, it's, 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 it's nominated, nominated for, for score this
0: year, which it doesn't win because the there's only like nomination, against, which
1: that's insane no let's just say it
0: should have won best picture that is crazy that it didn't (laughs)
1: it is fucking insane and it's like it's not even a matter of like something where like okay we can look back now and like definitely recognize that like citizen kane was a better movie than how green was my valley like Mm -hmm. no like like snow white and when does snow white come out because it's actually listed as the this is the 1937 oscars snow white's Mm -hmm. listed as the highest grossing movie of 1938 so it bec- um, it
0: comes out I think at the end of nineteen thirty seven, but it also it keeps Decem- playing nineteen thirty. Oh, okay. And it's so such yeah, a huge hit, like everybody's plays- talking about it, that they feel like they have to award it at the next year's Oscars.
1: Well, it's also one of those flukes where like it premiered December of thirty seven, but did not release until February of thirty eight. So I exactly. get I get that, but like I wa- I rewatched Snow White uh the other night in preparation for this episode, and it's like sure. okay, obviously animation has come a long way since then. That is still an immaculate achievement of a movie. Disney yeah. did win a special
0: award. I'm not sure if it was specifically because of Snow White, but it does win a special th- award this year for designing a multiplane camera, which is how they did a lot of animation at the time. Yeah, have you ever seen um, one of those? Yeah, yeah. At, at, uh, Disney World in Orlando, they still have, like, a functioning one, like, kind of sitting in the Walt Disney, like, little museum thing. And it's, like, it's massive. It's, like, the size of, like, four desks like all stock stacked on top of each other and you can look in and you see like oh here's the line that's for like the background here's the line that's for this character here's for that and it's kind of incredible that it is like fluid at all like i've watched like as we've been watching like the early ones i went back and watched like the silly symphonies and some like the three pigs like some of the things that have won and it's crazy that it looks as fluid as it does
1: oh yeah like and it's like you know it's crazy when like just having just rewatched like when you look at like how many different moving parts they have Mm-hmm. in like any given frame yeah it's wild yeah yeah it, they have they amazing. have one uh they have one on the disney lot in one of the animation buildings that like you can it's it's set up on two stories so like you can see it on one level and then you can go up to the level above and look down into it which is awesome oh wow that's yeah. really cool
0: i would love huh. to see that
1: yeah well good try to get on the disney lot oh, yeah exactly <laughs> after <laughs>
0: we'll see um but yeah we lose we lose dance direct and assistant directing this year and then
1: We're i never just, really yeah oh, well it's like The other thing is, like, Emile Zola, which I think is the only, up up to this point, it's the only movie besides Cavalcade to win Best Picture despite not being in the top 10 grossing, like, top 10 of the box office that year. And, like, I don't know how much money that movie actually made. I haven't been able to find it. But it's not in the top 10 for 37.
0: And it also didn't, it's another uh, case which we see a lot, or or, or I guess maybe the director thing comes later, but it's, like, it's nominated for director but doesn't win. Um, which is, uh, something that we've seen a lot so far, but it, like, in recent years, it's, uh, it, it was generally a sign that, like, if you won this, uh, it would be crazy if you didn't also win, uh, Best Picture.
1: It's also weird to see that, like, this is, a like, a glossy, historical, like, true story, like, biographical drama movie, and it loses Best Director to a screwball comedy.
0: Yeah. Exactly, and we haven't really talked that much about the other uh, films that are nominated because we have like the Awful Truth, and we have a Stars the Stars star Born,
1: the big one, just because that's mm-hmm. the first co- live action color film to get a Best Picture nomination. That's right. I, I want I, I should have watched before this episode because I wanted. I think to it gets play. like
0: a special award for the color uh, cinematography, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and William Wellman, director of Wings, is nominated for Best Director after not being nominated for directing Wings, which is kind I thought of wild. that name
0: looked familiar. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um wait which one wins best directors? is it leo McCarry for awful truth
1: for awful truth yeah
0: nice okay i haven't seen that one since college but i remember it being really good
1: yeah this is the same thing as we saw last year where w howard green gets a special honorary award for the color photography of a star is born just because the main cinematography category is still firmly for black and white
0: right i guess we, yeah i feel like I, I if memory serves we eventually see it where there's like kind of what we saw with comedy directing and drama directing early on. I think we're going to see like color cinematography and black and white cinematography for a fleeting amount of time before it like flips hardcore into just cinematography in general. Um, there was one interesting uh special award I saw where this ventriloquist won like a wooden Oscar that's mouth moved. Um, oh, that's his name scary. Is Edgar Bergen, uh, which I remember he's in um the original Muppet movie. Uh, but aside from that, I, ha- I hadn't seen any of his like super early stuff. But I thought that was interesting. They, that they're really getting having fun with the uh the oscars at this point like i i can't think of any other time at least like contemporarily where they've like given someone kind of a weird looking oscar you know? i mean it
1: almost feels like they it doesn't quite bear the like level of prestige that we now <laughs> consider an oscar to bring like it's Fair. kind of a week week, like hey we're celebrating the year in film you get your award but like it's not this like grave matter that is carried with utmost importance and like followed like you know with almost like religious zealotry by nerds like you and me you know <laughs> uh
0: well it's interesting because i think like this is the year it's either this year or it's like one coming up where they finally get like really hardcore on like people can't sell their oscars
1: uh yeah i mean I, we, we talked about the clark gable thing right
0: we did talk about that one in like well, spielberg, spielberg has his oscar yeah, yeah so
1: um I want to say it's 39 or 40. That's what
0: I was going to say. Like, I think it's coming because I know this is the year where they changed the voting rules again for. Well, you and I kind of privately texted about this, but they invite all industry guilds and unions to vote uh, on the nominees and final. So it's like we have like 12,000 voters. Right. It's a
1: it's a much. Yeah, it's a much bigger deal. Um...
0: Yeah. And that continues until 1943 or 44. Uh, when they uh, stop letting screen extras uh, participate in voting, which uh, which like spoiler you alert can, you is you can the talk reason about it.
1: Citizen Kane does not win Best Picture. In that's years. right.
0: You texted me that like on Mank Weekend and I was like, that's
1: why it didn't win. It's um, just weird to like think that like there's such a very specific reason it didn't happen. It's yeah. not like there was some kind of fluke. Like, no, like this entire subset of actors mobilized against Orson Welles.
0: Yeah, well, I'm excited for you to see how green is my Valley, because I think it is a really good movie. I'm not sure if it's as good as Citizen Kane. I'm gonna have to rewatch both to to see. But I watched. I mean, green being is a better movie really than Citizen
1: it. Kane's not hard, mm-hmm. right?
0: <laughs> uh, how tough could it be? But um, and actually, there was another thing I read where like the newspapers, the another new thing this year is they got the results at uh, eight thirty the night before. So they, they could have it ready to print um the night of with like their nightly edition of the, all the results and awards and stuff. But they had the they knew who won like a full day before everybody else.
1: Oh, OK. That's... I can't
0: imagine that happening in 2020 with the not, that not getting leaked in some way.
1: Oh, absolutely. No, like, <laughs> can you like, could you imagine like. <laughs> like, ain't it cool news would break the story or something.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Uh but uh I'm trying to think of any other cool I know there was a writer who became the first person to refuse a nomination uh for the Captain Courageous script. I th- his name is John Lee uh M A H I N Maheen. I'm just not great
1: at pronouncing names. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> off today. It's all right. It's a Tuesday. <laughs>
0: no, I I'm just never good at pronouncing names. I'm bad with names, I'm bad with faces, I'm bad at everything. I'm bad um, at speaking,
1: so. But I'm not sure We're why. We're a great he... pair to make a podcast.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is exactly what you want to hear. A lot of Urs and ums. Um, But I don't know why he refused the nomination. I just read something, like a little blurb about that, that he was the first person to refuse to be nominated.
1: Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, is 1950 is the year that they put in the rule about you, you can sell your Oscar only after the Academy has declined uh, to buy it back for $1.
0: That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure there were people that, like, found some sort of workaround. Like, they say they lost it and then they sold it to a pawn shop or whatever. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. Like, how how much is that being enforced? If we're <laughs> being totally honest, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, Any other uh, good, uh, like, wins or nominations that you found this year?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's just... It's a boring year. Yeah, a little know? bit. I think... I, I don't know. Like, I'm excited for, you know, the final, like, run of Frank Capra as, like, a major Oscar player next year. But, like, it feels like the thirties kind of end with like just a bit of a whiff and that it's not really to like gone with the wind that we start to like really see like, this is like a massive, like epic year for movies that like, is going to be memorialized by these awards. Like lost horizon is a big player this year, which is Capra's movie that year. It Mm -hmm. is a tortured production. That is the reason that Capra splits with uh, Robert Riskin who wrote it happened one night. So like, that's why Riskin's not a writer for, you can't take it with you, or for uh "It's a Wonderful Life," mm-hmm. but like, yeah, like I just the the Snow White of it all is so shameful, and like you know we've it seems talked... like that would have yeah
0: should have been nominated, like that would have been like a big deal. But there's and a especially very, just like how, like how much what the Academy, the Academy you know, like you know how
1: how quickly the Academy took to sound film mm-hmm. as like you know, we have one year of silent films being nominated and then one more time for all of history and then it's only going to be sound movies. Like, that they can't recognize the value of something like Snow White in the way that they need to. And, and, and like, you know, they they fucking catch themselves by giving it an Oscar the next year. Like, I mean, this is very... This is definitely true in, like, modern times, but I think it's going to be, like, a recurring theme of just, like, every year's Oscars in some way... Is a response to the mistake of previous Oscars, you know. I mean like,
0: the the thing that the Academy keeps doing is they keep like feeling like everything has to have its own category. Like, oh, we have to have a category for comedy directing. Oh, we have to have a category for dance directing. Oh, we have to have a color uh, category for color cinematography. It's like they feel like they have to put all these things into boxes. So I'm sure they saw that and were like, well, we can't have an animated feature category because other animated features don't exist. But that man. I don't know. I think that's just very interesting that they didn't even consider like, well, it is a feature length film. Like, why would this not even? be up for anything because again they gave it score they didn't be like all right here's best they gave it a nomination score. for score it did not no that's mean what i score. mean it's like but they didn't make like an animated score category for right. it but it's just interesting to see where their like segregation of these categories like starts and stops
1: and i'm curious to see like how the disney animated movies of like the 40s and 50s kind of before they have a dip in quality like how those movies show up at the oscars given that there's no animated picture category yet
0: Yeah, because we still have like, I'm surprised like how liberally they keep using these like uh, special Oscars. Uh, Like we keep seeing like five or six every year and some go to like an individual or a movie or a company. And like that's Um, the other
1: thing of like if we're giving the guy a special award for color cinematography, which like is a new thing. And it's like kind of something where it's like, okay, there's not enough color movies for us to give color cinematography its own category. But we want to recognize this landmark achievement. Why are they not honoring Snow White this year? Yeah. Why does it take them a full calendar year to come back and be like, hey, uh, you know how you made the first ever animated feature film and it became the most successful movie like of our modern times? Like, yeah, we should probably acknowledge that. Yeah. Right. It's It seems like
0: this was like a big like misstep year for sure. Like, I don't know if I would consider and maybe it's just because I'm looking at it from such a modern lens. I don't know if I would consider Emile Zola like worthy of having a best picture win. Both for its time and for now.
1: Absolutely um, not.
0: Yeah, this is, like, the first big one where I've really been, like, vehemently against it. Like, even though I, I think I disliked uh, Cimarron and Cavalcade more, this was the first one where I'm like, this doesn't deserve it in any way. Because it's still, you know, like, dying in the face of, like, what it's trying to do as a best picture. Like, even with Great Ziegfeld, it's bloated, but it's like, I see why it won. For
1: yeah, time. well, like, Great Ziegfeld is, you know, blackface notwithstanding. That's at least fairly <laughs> harmless as a movie yeah this movie is just so like up its own ass about you know truth and justice and like the importance of like liberty and honesty and freedom and it's like you're doing all of that and you're refusing to address the core societal rot that both allowed this event to happen and is at the forefront of the rise of nazism in general exactly
0: exactly uh, oh one other quick like fun fact i found uh spencer tracy won this year for uh um uh, i actually uh oh i didn't write down what he was uh won for but he couldn't go to the ceremony because he was captain's courageous thank you uh, he won for captain's courageous but he was in the hospital after an operation so his wife accepted the award hmm. but it was inscribed dick tracy instead of spencer tracy oh. uh, and they had to re uh reinscribe it before they gave it to him
1: that's Weird. A weird funny. misstep.
0: I don't know if that because I know there's like the Dick Tracy comics if it was just like a a miss uh, a misstep or Oh I we should look into
1: happened. that. That's that's weird that, that I happened. thought that
0: was really interesting, but I couldn't find that much more information on it.
1: Louise Rayner wins Best Actress for The Good Earth, and mm-hmm. she won Best Actress last year for Great Sigfield, which makes right. her the first actor, one of only three, I believe, to have back-to-back wins.
0: Okay, because we've seen nominations at this point, but yeah, we haven't back-to-back back
1: nominations, and we've seen back-to-back wins in other categories. But right. I think the first actor to have back-to-back wins is her, and then it's Sp- it is Spencer Tracy who's the other one, not for, th- or maybe it isn't for this and next year. Does he win see. for this and something next year? He wins. Uh, yep. Is okay, he okay so he wins win next you? year for Boys Town, So he oh, is Boys on his Town, first. Okay. He's going to win his second next year, and then Tom Hanks is the only other actor to have that. That's right.
0: Yeah, small. That's uh, yeah, really interesting. And I I don't know. I'm, I'll am i talk about the whole Frank Capra at all next uh, episode, but it's very interesting to me that he's the president of the Academy for this year and for next year, and his film wins in the U.S. You are
1: yeah. very locked into this conspiracy, it's, which it's crazy. I, I do It's love. not
0: a conspiracy. He's like, and it's like his movies are good. He doesn't have to do it. It's just like, it's very strange. It just seems very convenient, like just giving yourself an award. Um, and I know it's like other people are voting, on et cetera. It just, it, the optics on it are very uh, suspect, is all I'm saying. Um, so I'm curious, and I'm curious, because I liked uh, or I loved uh, It Happened One Night, I'm curious to see how you can think it with you is, but I guess we'll see how that is on the next episode.
1: Right, I I didn't like this movie. I was like, nope. fuck, fuck this movie. Is this it's,
0: where it's does bad. it rank for you with, like, Cimarron? Uh, <gasps> I mean, at least, like, it has really? like, at
1: least it has, you know, like, Cimarron is just, like, outright vile, the mm-hmm. more I think about it, and Cavalcade is, like, just a nothing movie like so i will put this above them but like still same yeah just like
0: yeah bottom 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 of the barrel for sure but uh, i'm excited i'm excited for you can't take it with you i'm excited to jump into that one next
1: like this is this movie is going to be a reference point as we hit other best picture winners and best picture nominees that i'm not going to name now that are like kind of committing the same sin of just like you're trading in the iconography of this societal issue while actually saying nothing or even worse like making it worse by how you're portraying
0: being almost complicit uh, to a certain point but uh that is, yeah that is definitely something this is not the first time the oscars did it and it's not going to be the last
1: for sure right. and it's like you know we, Os- academy awards occur in the present they are addressing the films of the present and you can understand like how something that is popular or that is in the cultural conversation benefits from that because the oscars happen you know immediately after the year has ended it's not Mm. like you know okay like i think i think it might have been david fincher that like once said that like what you should do what the oscars should do is the oscars should award the movies from 10 years prior Mm. because they should be about like what movies have stood the test of time which like is not at all what the oscars are about but like (laughs) it is a good sentiment i i
0: yeah, no, that is really interesting, though, because, like, obviously, like, his is a big one that I think about. Like, if we really looked back on that year, especially, like, if we looked exactly at the 10-year point, like, hypothetically, right after Cats came out and he's still, like, making, like, My Hunter and Mank and stuff, like, I feel like we would feel a little differently about how things shook out in 2010. Um, I mean, obviously, that's, again, that's not what the purpose of the Oscars is, but that is an interesting segment, it's a sentiment that I feel like we're trying to chase ourselves as we watch all these movies. To see, like, I am uh, this genuinely
1: curious, up. just because, like, I really enjoyed Mank based Mm -hmm. on what people are saying. I think that general response is warm, I would probably say. Yeah, I'm curious if like it's still going to do well at the Oscars just because like it's like Fincher's overdue, you know? Like, yeah, I don't do know. Do we if he's redo it like, for this though? I don't know. It's like we've seen—you know—we've certainly seen it happen before, and we're certainly going to see it happen in the future. But like, is like kind of the the back to like the Curious Case of Benjamin Button slash Social Network like that mm-hmm. happening over three years? Social Network especially, like being like that probably was his year, yeah. and then he made two more movies and then didn't make a movie for six years, and now the Academy is like, how many more chances are we going to have to give if- Fincher a Best Director Oscar?
0: You if know? it's released in time, I think we're more likely to see that with Wes Anderson than the French Dispatch. Well, I feel like that that's was my be the other fear. Theory- no, but, but
1: that's all. That's fully pushed to twenty twenty one. I think.
0: Oh, it is okay. Yeah, I thought that was going to premiere at Cannes
1: right? next year. But like that was okay. my other point. At going into going into this year, my two bold st- predictions about movies was that Mulan was going to be the highest grossing movie of the year, <laughs> just because I figured with Marvel, like with there being no Star Wars and with Marvel kind of doing Black Widow and Eternals, which, like, we're both going to do well, but I don't think would have, like, been the level of normal success. I thought Mulan had a really strong chance, and my other one would be that if The French Dispatch was even moderately good, it was going to run away with the Oscars, just as the Academy being like, hey, we might have messed up with Grand Budapest Hotel, and we want to give Wes Anderson an award.
0: Yeah. Well, I thought it was going to get And I'm not, not saying I'm so expecting the French Dispatch. <laughs> back. We, we all have things ex- that didn't happen this year because of uh, global pandemics and such. Yeah, uh, I'm, I am
1: I wonder what a Soderbergh-produced Oscars is going to be. I
0: didn't, you broke that news to me. I didn't realize he was the one that's going to be Yeah, it was just today. So it's,
1: it's Soderbergh, and then I believe it's one of his producing, here, I'm, I'm going to pull it up right now and give you the names. Uh, they haven't announced
0: the host yet, right?
1: Uh, no, I, I don't think there's going to be a host,
0: right? Oh, it's going to do what they did last year? Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's uh Soderbergh, and then it's Stacey Sher and Jesse Collins, one of whom I know produced uh, Aaron Brockovich. So she has a relationship with. God, come on. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. curious to see how they produce like
1: a digital show. And it I, it's I not going like to be cool. digital though. It's going to be. They oh, said they're going to do not, it in person. Remember, like, yeah, that was news from last week. The Oscars are. Oh not, shoot! They're, they're no, not I didn't hear are not doing what that. the Emmys did. They are going to do an in-person ceremony. Oh man, watching I mean, uh... Who knows? Like, we're, we are recording this in December. This episode's probably, this episode's not going to come out till January or maybe the end of December. So, like, who knows what it's going to be by the time this episode comes out. But as of now, the Oscars have firmly said no virtual show. It's going to be an in person show. Wow
0: uh well i I just looked at my calendar and i just realized i still have on december 14th that the oscar museum uh is opening i don't think that's happening no that's not happening anymore yeah <laughs> alas um yeah we'll see what next year looks like i'm very curious if maybe they'll bring back the kitschy uh, oscar and have them all wearing little masks or something
1: i mean i i like a like who knows if this we're having an in-person thing is actually gonna pan out like we yeah. will see but also it's what? like yeah i don't know like we we are in the like we're at the part of the year now where like all of the big Oscar movies would be either out or like coming out. We'd be having yeah. all of the round tables we'd be having, you know, like the national board of review should have their list coming out soon. New York film critic circle. All of that is like coming, but like, it doesn't feel like like 2020 doesn't feel like a year. It feels yeah. like an age of man. So, a and that fucks me up mentally because like I calendar my year around the Oscars. I-
0: I usually set my watch to like I'll like there in past years I'll like take off work for like a couple days just so I can like catch up and watch like two movies a day in theaters and like see everything.
1: Like know? when are, uh, like uh, Golden Globes are going to be February twenty eighth. So Golden Globes, which normally happen like the first weekend of January, are now mm-hmm. going to be in the slot where the Oscars have been over the. And past now the Oscars are going
0: to be in like what March or April.
1: So like I guess that oscars are gonna be in april yeah it's okay. gonna be the latest the oscars have ever been in a calendar year mm-hmm. and you know it's like january and february are in the eligibility window so it's like are we just gonna see a, a lot of big oscar pushes in january like i don't know
0: well i also am just like it seems like they're i think we've talked about this before but it seems like they're relaxing the idea of like playing like if it plays in drive-thrus it's fine but even like if it just plays i'm curious if they pick anything that just went straight to vod if they just completely go away from that window, even if it didn't play like in a theater or play like in a VOD for uh, or sorry, if it play in a drive-through for a certain amount of time. Yeah.
1: I think so that most, that. I think that most of the eligible stuff that like seems like the kind of things that are going to get pushed have played in a theater or on a screen in some way. Like Mank was out for a month in LA. I know, uh, it, or, you know it was out for a month somewhere before it dropped here or, or on Netflix. So like they're, they're figuring it out. But yeah, it's like I have no temperature on like the season right now because yeah. the year's been so wonky.
0: Did I tell you, I'm not even doing a best, uh, a best of for 2020 this year?
1: Yeah. I mean, how do, like, how do you... I, I
0: didn't see that many 20, like, I watched 500 movies, but like very few of them were from 2020. So it just doesn't feel right to do like a list of like, here's the 20 movies I saw from 2020. So I'm just yeah. going to do like a best discoveries that I've watched
1: Palm year. Springs to Bloods, Birds of Prey, Bloodshot, top four 2020
0: let's see i really liked invisible man i liked uh wolf of snow hollow
1: oh yeah wolf of snow hollow that movie's great
0: boys stay oh kajillionaire i loved but i'm like a massive miranda see i think you've
1: seen you definitely have seen more 2020 movies than i have
0: (laughs) i think i've probably seen like well i don't know like i've seen i'm trying to like if you include like specials and stuff like that i don't know how Mm. many i'm gonna guess i've seen like 30 or 40 but usually in a year i'll see like a hundred and like 15 yeah i'm usually like most of them in theaters like it's it's like I feel like I'm not incentivized to go see like a lot of the movies Laura and I would usually go see in theaters. So it's like I'm skipping a lot of stuff, you know. But I'm still watching like oh, Hubie Halloween. It's I don't know. It's I'm not seeing a lot of those. Uh, right. I've logged. generally put up.
1: I've logged twenty five movies from this year, which I'm sure I've seen more and maybe just didn't log them. But hold on,
0: let me. I'll uh, see how many I have. And I that includes
1: know, uh, two comedy specials and one Taylor Swift documentary. And yeah, I have definitely. to log the other one now because Folklore is out on Disney+. Plus.
0: I have apparently 65, but uh, I'm looking at like a lot of the, like, yeah, I see, because at the start of the year, I saw like a bunch of films in theaters, but then it's like, yeah, like the Fresh Prince, like reunion special is on here, or, like the Western special okay. is on here. Let's exactly. Like, like that stuff doesn't. Don't as a be movie.
1: ridiculous, Andrew.
0: If it's just movies, I've seen like 60. But wow. it's, you know, most of them are like documentaries and uh, like stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, like Palm Springs was good. It's not going to be nominated for an Oscar like Boy State uh, might.
1: I loved Palm um, Springs.
0: it was really good. That might be sure. My
1: favorite. That might be my favorite movie of the year.
0: It's one I'm really bummed. I didn't get to see with the festival audience, like yeah. just going in blank and not knowing anything about it.
1: Yeah. That birds of really prey, I'm, that. you know, birds of prey. I've, I've sung my praises to the to the crowds. Yeah. Of the phrase good.
0: I loved Invisible Man. I really liked Freaky that I just watched. Oh, I need It's to watch so good. That, yeah. That i massive... you know I need to sit
1: down. And I need to do Freaky, Spontaneous, and Possessor. Like that might be a good. Have one. you
0: seen the Happy Death Day flicks? Yeah, yeah, I like those. I love them. Like I feel like a, like the second one is like a Paddington Two kind of thing, where like it's infinitely better than the first. Yeah, one. Two is. I was really excited for Three. I think
1: I watched Two on your recommendation last year because it yeah. was just like a day of like I want to catch up on like 2019 movies that I'm maybe missed.
0: 'Cause it go it goes from being like a Wes Craven like horror to like Bugs Bunny on a dime. Like it's so fun. And like Freaky is very much in the same vein. Like I think it's like Vince Vaughn's best performance in years. Um and it's not like an Oscar movie, quote unquote, but it is like, you know, one of the best films I've seen. But I I was maybe we'll see Wolf of Smoke. I was talking to Harry
1: Bosch about this. Do you think like I would given like our conversation about like the state of studio comedy a couple Mm -hmm. episodes back, like, do you think that anyone's career has been affected more? Than Vince Vaughn, by it's that. Been a minute since I've seen him in stuff, for sure. Just because it's like, okay, like, okay, like Will is affected, but like Will Ferrell has his whole producing wing with Adam McKay, yeah. like he's in the pocket on that way. Like Amy Poehler goes between TV, like she's more of a TV actress, like she does movies, but like she has that. Like Vaughn, like and like you know Owen Owen Wilson can go and be in Wes Anderson movies or like in other stuff. In other stuff, yeah. Stiller the... is mostly a producer now, but it's like Vince Vaughn seems like the guy where it's like, yes, obviously, like. Because he was at that level, and he mm-hmm. would, you know, he produced stuff occasionally, but, like, he was a, like, a big comed- studio comedy movie star.
0: Yeah. And, like, That's it's not like he, hack, ha- he seems the most impactful. Right, right. and it's, right.
1: like, it's not like he hasn't done stuff in the past ten years, but, like, it's all very, like, against type.
0: Yeah, exactly, which this kind of is as well. It's, like, seeing him play, because uh, it's, like, a twist on Freaky Friday, so it's, like, seeing him play like, this, like, Deranged Serial killer, but then also, play, like, doing the Jack Black uh jumanji thing of playing a teenage girl um which and is it kind of it again sight from what we've seen from him in the past but it's like it used to be like yeah he'd be in one every two minutes but it's like you know he was in hacksaw ridge a couple years ago so it's like he still does things right like it's not like vince vaughn has gone
1: away it's just that like the vince vaughn movie almost doesn't exist anymore
0: right yeah that's a that's a fair point but it's uh yeah i think this is the closest we've got to like that type of like studio uh like cause it yeah, there was a there was a time where he would do like two of these like giant like studio comedies a year. And like we've talked about before, like those movies kind of don't get made at that level anymore. Um so it's interesting seeing him go, not in indie obviously, but to see him do something kind of against hype uh was really cool.
1: I'm excited to watch it. I need to, I have no excuse for having not watched it other than laziness.
0: It just came out, so yeah, okay. go, go catch it and uh we'll we'll jump back in for We got, off the, ra- for we got off the we got off the
1: rails on this episode. I'm impressed that we got it past an hour.
0: I'm enjoying. I always enjoyed shit chat. This is always a highlight of my week to get to break away from work and uh, all the shit going on to just get to talk about movies like I used to.
1: Yeah. Do you want to plug your uh, your big career thing?
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. I lo- I lost a job to. Uh, no 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 <laughs> the the
1: the good the the, the the thing that released last week. Oh the right? good thing yeah, yeah. I, I
0: cut the new Carly Rae Jepsen uh, music video and it's that was awesome. it's so... been doing really well thanks man like yeah, it's been should... doing really well.
1: It's we'll really drop fun. A... can we. do... We can we legally drop a link to that in the show notes? Yeah, probably. Like, okay, we'll drop I, we'll we'll drop a link to that on this episode, and we'll. You we'll...
0: know, what's, can I tell you something funny? I just you'll appreciate this. My mom, uh, you know, cause she's my mom. She has this little like movie club with another couple who socially distance and never goes outside. Uh, and they sit apart when they watch and stuff like that. But they watched, uh, they did a double bill and they paired my the music video Ugh. with Citizen Kane because <laughs> we were watch Bankrupt right after, and I was like, wow, what a weird double bill. There's no connection until. My roommate pointed out they both open with a snow globe shot.
1: There you go. Yeah. Thematic. So. Th- we're doing just like for pure mental health reasons now, we are relegating Sundays to be like the only thing we're doing on Sunday is I am making an unhealthy meal that we're going to uh-huh. eat on all day, and then we're doing a thematic triple feature word so what kind
0: of stuff are you guys looking to do we did it for the first
1: time last sunday uh the theme was murderous husbands so we did okay. dial in for murder blood nice. simple and Ooh. uh what lies beneath okay and then next week we're doing uh on-screen couples that are married in real life so we're gonna do the big sleep uh yep. eyes wide shut and Blaze of glory
0: oh okay i thought you were gonna do dodgeball or something like that in there
1: no, what we wa- no we watched dodgeball fairly recently.
0: Okay, and, fair enough. And
1: uh, Harry Bosch has never seen Blades of Glory, so I want to. Oh, that's
0: a fun one. That's a uh, yeah. There's some. There's actually some legitimately really good scenes in that movie. I I
1: mean that was just like I was the my brother and I were the perfect age for like those like mid 2000s like Will Ferrell Ben Stiller like kind of comedies so like that's Same. I think what I've seen I grew up like watching the most of at least with my family and like not counting the weird shit I would go and rent and like just watch yeah. on my own but
0: Will Arnett was like the first big uh, like actor who wasn't like a big name but like I went through a phase after watching Arrested Villain where I went to like the store and I was just like where are all the Will Arnett movies I just want to yeah. watch anything with Will Arnett I need it. to
1: watch wrist cutters right now
0: yeah I need to watch uh oh, the Brothers Bloom or no not not brother's bloom what's the there's one real, really weird one he did with um Will Forte Oh, oh brother
1: the Solomon. brother Solomon
0: were they like, uh, like Kristen was pregnant um, why do why do why all do the weird I, ones
1: how do i know i've never seen that movie how do i know that was the title of the movie my brain's broken. it's
0: it's a weird one man uh well sweet enjoy your dribble bill and I'll, I'll see you next time for uh you can't take it with you
1: all right uh thank you for listening please remember to rate review subscribe we're on twitter at best pick pod uh we're on you know i don't know if you like this podcast tell your friends we're all in lockdown we're all trying to pass the time uh and uh i don't know if you're watching like we're still in like the phase of movies where not a lot of people have seen them and probably not a lot of people are interested in going out to see them but like if you want to watch along and tweet at us we'd love that you know tell us what you think
0: we'd love to we'll talk about it on the show we'll We'll talk to anybody get reviews we'll talk about it on the show yeah if you if you you say good things
1: about us we'll share it on the show if you say bad things about it we'll share it on the show but you know not in like a kind way not as a way to we won't (laughs) we we won't dox anybody that's what i'm saying
0: well you better tell us soon because you can't take it with you see you guys next week